We're in 1 Samuel chapter 13. We'll be going through 14, I think 15, something like that. Give you a clue why we study God's Word. I read some startling uh, statistics taken from polls. Uh, 12% Christians included believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. 12%. (laughs) One half, this is a Barna poll, I believe, of high school seniors believe that Sodom and Gomorrah were a married couple. So we study the word. We study the word because we study to show ourselves approved. In the book of First Samuel, we have Saul make a pronounced turn in his life. And it's only taken Saul a couple years, maybe a few more years, but I doubt it, probably a couple years, for him to abandon his humble beginnings. And now King Saul finds himself in opposition to God, in opposition to God's commands, in oppositions to God's word that comes to him directly through the prophet Samuel. Samuel has been faithful to deliver God's message to Saul. And he says, your kingdom, your reign, Saul, it will not continue. You have not kept what the Lord commanded you. How important obedience is. And we talked of that last week. Saul had an opportunity that few men have. And he had an opportunity to be a great king. A great king of Israel. He had a humble beginning But that seemed to go away when he began to be lifted up with pride. A few years as king has caused Saul to believe that he is above God's commands. Saul, excuse me, he will go beyond his authority. He will offer up burnt offerings and sacrifices that were only supposed to be done by a priest. He is to wait for Samuel a full seven days. Well, he doesn't make it seven days. He makes it about six and three-quarter days. And with that impatience, with that disobedience, for whatever reason, that was the, the breaking point between him and God. Saul forfeited his kingship with partial obedience. Partial obedience is a plague to true obedience. Have you ever desired to have an advisor like Saul had? Saul had Samuel, prophet of God. 
Saul had a man that would direct him any time he had a question of any importance. All he had to do was ask Samuel. Samuel would pray and give him God's word on the situation. But here we find Saul, he's not willing to wait for God's direction. He was told, wait seven days, and well, he didn't quite make it. But Samuel was for Saul bona fide true advice. Not once failing to speak truth to Saul. Now, as a king, that was invaluable. I mean, what kind of value do you put on having absolute perfect advice from God? God said of Samuel, not one of his words do I allow fall to the ground. What a great thing to say of a man, a prophet. Samuel was 100% accurate 100% of the time. How can you fail if you listen to a man that hears from God so profoundly? Anyone, and this goes for today too, in any position of authority would cherish an advisor like Samuel. And the, uh, any father would cherish a loyal son like Saul's son, Jonathan. But as we'll get into the story, Saul doesn't even honor his own son. Saul appears to be an extremely insecure person. But in chapter 13, verse 15, we read where Samuel departs from Saul. And I think he departs heartbroken. Here's this man that he anointed to be king, that God told him, you anoint Saul. He's to be the next king of Israel. So let's pick it up, 1 Samuel 13, verse 15, and we'll read from there. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah, Gibeah, let's make that, of Benjamin, and Saul numbered the people present with him, about 600 men. Saul, Jonathan, his son, and the people present with them remained in Gibeah of Benjamin. But the Philistines encamped in Michmash. The raiders came out of the camp of the Philistine in three companies. One company turned onto the road to Orpha and to, to the land of Shual. Another company turned to the road of Beth Horon and another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of Zeboim towards the wilderness. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattocks, his axe, and his sickle. And the charge for sharpening was a pim for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, the axes, and to set the points on the goads. So it came about <clears throat> on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan. Only Jonathan and Saul even have a sword. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. 
In verse 16 here, we have Jonathan entering into a battle scene along with Saul, his father. The Philistines are far superior in numbers, and they're camped out in a high place overlooking Israel. And the Philistines are sending out raiding parties, looting parties. And, and why work when you can steal from the Israelites what you need? And so they loot the Israelites. And there's no blacksmith in Israel at this time. The Philistines use the working of steel as a means to keep the Israel from having swords or spears. And there's only two swords in the whole camp of Israel. And that one belonged to Saul and the other to Jonathan. We can begin to see the wisdom of America's founding fathers that we have the right to keep and bear arms. It's really a great right. Perhaps our founding fathers saw a need for the everyday citizen to have a right to bear arms. But don't get caught up into that. It's not guns that keep America free. It's not guns that keep us strong. It's the blessings of the Lord God Almighty upon us as a people. 1 Samuel 14, 1 through 7. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines, garrison, that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side, and the name of the one was Bozi, and the name of the other was Seneh. The front of one faced northward, opposite Michmash, the other was southward towards Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, listen to this. Come, let us go to the, over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you, according to your heart. Jonathan and his armor-bearer are two of my heroes of the Old Testament. I really like Jonathan, but I really, really like his armor-bearer. <laughs> he was a great guy. King Saul, he's not in battle. He's over sitting under a pomegranate tree, and he's got 600 bodyguards that don't have weapons <laughs> surrounded him. Saul... Uh, uh, did not notice that Jonathan has left camp and he's gone over to the Philistines' garrison. 
The Philistines are up in a high place. They're in, up in a rocky ridge overlooking the camp of Israel. And in verse 6, Jonathan, he's at the base of this overlook, this cliff. And the Spirit of God comes upon Jonathan to be courageous. To be a man of faith. And by faith, Jonathan says to his armor bearer, Come, let us go to the garrison of these uncircumcised, unclean Philistines. It may be that the Lord will work for us. And then he goes, For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. What faith. This armor bearer who is with Jonathan, he encourages him. Do all that is in your heart. Go, here I am with you according to your heart's desire. I'm with you. If it cost me my life, it cost me my life. But Jonathan, I am with you. So is Jonathan. Question. And his armor bearer, are they being presumptuous? No. Read it carefully. Notice Jonathan's word. It may be that the Lord will work for us. Jonathan doesn't know for sure that it's of the Lord. It may be. There's nothing wrong with getting God's confirmation on directions for our life. Notice a couple things, though, here. It may be of the Lord, and the Lord indeed has put this in Jonathan's heart. And we read the whole passage and understand it is God who has put this in the heart of Jonathan. It's, he's put it in Jonathan's heart to go fight against the Philistines. But Jonathan, take his He doesn't know if it's just his own zeal or is this of God. You ever been caught those in those places? His armor bearer, he's with him. He's even willing to die if necessary. Tremendous loyalty in the armor bearers. So let's read verse 8 through 15. Then Jonathan said, Very well, let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say thus to us, Wait until we come to you, then we shall stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has delivered them into our hands, and this will be a sign for us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, Look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan his armor-bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up. After me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hands of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with the armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and he came after him, his armor bearer, and killed them. Then the first slaughter, which Jonathan, his armor bearer, made, was about 20 men within a half acre of land. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison and the raiders who trembled, and the earth quaked, so that it was very great trembling. 
Notice how Jonathan discerns God's will. If the Philistines say, come up to us, and in the Philistines' mind, you two foolish Israelites, climb up here, and we will show you something. In other words, we will slaughter you. But this only encourages Jonathan. This has been part of his prayer to God. Show us what you have for us. Remember, he asked God, confirm your will by asking them to tell us to come up. Confirm your will by giving us something difficult to do. Mm. The Philistines challenged them to climb up to them. Jonathan and his armor bearer could have said, Lord, have them come down in single file where we can kill them off one at a time. You ever pray prayers like that? Jonathan is asking for God's confirmation by him doing something difficult. We're often guilty of wanting and praying for God's will to be the easy option. Where's the faith in that? Or give me a prosperous choice or favor here, Lord. We pray and we ask God to open doors, and usually those are doors that we ask for of easiness or convenience. Lord, if you want me to buy that car, give me a great price on it. Or have things go in this deal, have them just go so easily. And we can be very guilty of wanting to benefit from the ease of a situation and call it God's will. There was a man in the New Testament who had a different view of affliction and sickness within his body. Turn to 1 Corinthians, or make that 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. We're going to talk about the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. And we read, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sakes. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Sometimes we read about the Apostle Paul and we think he probably, that guy's, He's got a death wish, man. <laughs> and 
But this, he has a thorn in the flesh. He has an illness. He has a sickness. It's an ongoing infirmity that Paul identifies as a messenger of Satan. And it's there to buffet him. Paul recognizes that his illness was of Satan. And that's there to hinder him. It's to stop Paul in ministry if possible. And Paul tells us he pleaded with the Lord three times for this to be removed. And it was probably with prayer and fasting on three different occasions that Paul pleaded with God to remove this thorn in the flesh. What was this thorn in the flesh? Well, we're not certain, but church historians give us a, a good idea of what it was. They tell us that, you know, this is not scripture, but it's historians, that Paul had an eye disease. And it looked like he had pink eye all the time. You ever look at a child or a grown-up with pink eye? A little disgusting. <laughs> Their eyes are swollen, they're red, and they're runny. And it was disgusting for anybody to look at this preacher, Paul, to look at him in the eye. Because you look and you go, <laughs> you turn away because it was so disgusting. But Paul had a different outlook on life. He prayed three times, and he was willing to accept God's answer to him. But Paul, on a different occasion, he said, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Huh, how many of us have that attitude? <laughs> he is not a man with a death wish, though. But he, Paul was a man who understood eternity. He understood how important eternity was versus the here and now or the pleasures and ease of here and now. Today, we're bombarded with modern philosophy, modern thinking. And we're told by so many advertisers, enjoy our pleasure product, whatever that might be for us. And enjoy it now. And if you have to finance it, well, then finance it, you know, but enjoy it now. Don't wait. Don't deny yourself. I was watching TV the other day and I saw a shampoo commercial. Shampoo. And this girl had gorgeous flowing hair and she says, I deserve it. Huh? You deserve it? <laughs> and that can be the attitude that advertisers want us to have. You deserve whatever they're trying to sell you because it's good for you. Don't dare deny yourself. But let me challenge you. The next time you're considering any major purchase, I don't care what it is, Tell that salesperson, I can't buy it today. Let me pray about it overnight 
or the next weekend, and then I'll come back to you. They will do anything and everything to keep you from doing that. They go, well, this deal is only good for today. Well, then I'll have to pass on it. <laughs> Very few salespeople want you walking out praying over their proposition to you, over their sales to you. All right. The medical industry, and it is an industry, thrives upon us wanting instant relief from anything that is painful or discomforting. Anything. Any pain in our society today is a no-no. Several years back, I went to a new, modern, beautiful church. Made me a little envious, but I got over it. And there in the men's bathroom in this new, beautiful building was grooming aids for us men. They had breath mints. <laughs> there you go. Got to have some of them. And other care products. But what did surprise me, here in this church, there was pain relievers. There was Tylenol. There was aspirin. Do you remember in the early church, even in my lifetime, and I'm not that old. I'm old, but not that old. You prayed over sickness. If you didn't feel good, you prayed about it. I wanted to put up a little sign in that bathroom. We also pray for the sick here, but I didn't. <laughs> but Paul, he welcomed this thorn in his flesh once he realized why God had put it in his life. He didn't want that thorn at first. He was like all of us. But he understood that pain and suffering brought forth God's grace and power upon his life. And that was more important to Paul than to be pain-free and not have God's power upon his life. Simple question. Is your body sore? Do you have a headache? Do you pray or do you run to the medicine cabinet? And I'm preaching to myself as well as you. Do we even give God a chance to be our healer? He is the great physician. I have honestly been trying to pray about my infirmities, small or great, trying to honor God before I reach for a pain pill or a Tylenol or an aspirin or whatever. I'm trying in my heart to honor my Lord. But back to Jonathan and his armor bearer. The Philistines called Jonathan up to battle. 
Jonathan climbs on his hands and knees up this steep embankment, and he begins to slaughter the Philistines. He would beat them in battle. His armor bearer come along behind him and kill them. And God is so pleased with Jonathan that he brings an earthquake. I'm going to help you, Jonathan. I'll bring an earthquake. You're out there. You're reaching out in faith. You're exercising faith. Let me help you. And it says there was a great trembling upon that area. And there also was a great victory for Israel. Exercise adventurous faith whether young, whether old, and give God an opportunity to shake the earth for you. He's God, and he can conquer by few or by many. Do not limit our Lord. Amen? Amen. Let me get you a stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, so many times we're so quick to go the easy way, to take the path of least resistance. And I, I know I'm guilty, Lord. But Lord, I want to I have that adventurous faith like Jonathan had. I want to be steadfast like Paul was when he says, I gladly suffer infirmities that the power of God rests upon me. Lord, help us to be willing to step out in faith and see what you have for us versus running into the first quick fix that we can find. Build character into us, Lord. Put a steadfast heart within us, one that's after you, Lord, and let us just see what you may want to do on our behalf. Lord, we just pray that this coming week, you would give us opportunities to do good works for your kingdom. And Lord, if that means it being a little difficult for us, help us to see that and then still be obedient to you. It is not always the easy path that you choose for us. Lord God, help us to be courageous in our faith. Help us to be men and women of God. And we pray for this. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if